Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. And joining me is my, is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing awesome, Steven. It's July. It is the month of training camp, dude. Shoot. I'm excited. I can't wait. Training camp, among other things, happening in July. Uh, you know, Fourth of July, uh, birthday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my wedding. My wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes. in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll there be there go. for that one. Yeah, there you go. Happy early wedding to the to the Shoons. Uh, happy Fourth of July. We are recording this on uh, Sunday the second, but you guys are watching this on the fourth. So hopefully, you guys are having a great time celebrating, safe time celebrating today. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, hopefully, we give you guys a good show for some off-season content. So, like Tyler mentioned, we are about three weeks away from the beginning of training camp, and so we figured we'd kind of revisit some of the bigger question marks that we have. Uh, leading up to training camp that we're hoping we get answered in training camp and preseason uh, as the Chargers kind of, you know, kick off the 2023 season. So excited to uh, dive into all of that today. Before we begin, as always, we are fans first and foremost. Uh, We are independent content creators uh, for the Chargers. We uh, are fortunate to be doing this every single week for you guys. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're fans just like you are. So uh, the opinions that we express on today's show are not always reflected uh, by the organization, by the coaching staff. We're just uh, happy to have a platform that the Chargers have given us, and we're uh, hoping we are doing them proud. So uh, excited to dive in today's show, Tyler. Um, when you look at kind of like your process here and determining what kind of question marks we have left to be answered, um, where did your mind like first go before we actually get into the questions? What was kind of your process and in whittling it down to getting these questions that we have. Yeah, that tended to, I tended to lean towards stock up sort of, or maybe even stock down options, like, and hopefully stock up, right? Hey, in the training camp, everything's pre, everything's more positive. I want someone to take that step forward. So who could that person be? And the other direction I went was what roles do, does this person have? Is their role diminished? Do they have more of a role? Do they start? Can they start, et cetera? So that's kind of where, I looked at for the most part, but we'll get into some other stuff too. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when we look at like personnel questions, you know, that's kind of where, um, the bulk of my attention went to in terms of like, you know, who can emerge, who can, you know, cement their status on the roster. Um, there's some general like team ceiling questions that I think could be discussed in this kind of space as well. Um, you know, one of the comments that we always get whenever we are, kind of talking about certain players, right? Is always like, well, Trey Pipkins can, you know, kind of be a, a potential outcome for any of these players, right? So that that person, that player is obviously always at the forefront of my mind at these days. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's kind of my first question. And I think we can kind of kick off the, this interview or not this interview, excuse me, this episode in that regard. Uh, is there a Trey Pipkins in 2023? I think it's important to revisit where he was at leading into training camp in 2022 as somebody who lost the position battle for swing tackle leading into the 2021 season. Um, And then in 2022, he was headed for a position battle with Storm Norton, right? And there was, you know, a lot of speculation that the Chargers would add a right tackle and they ultimately decided not to, although they did draft Jamari Sawyer, who could play tackle, right? But they didn't add, like, a pure right tackle in the draft. Instead, they decided to draft Zion Johnson early in the first round. 
Um, and so there was just kind of this incumbent battle between Storm Norton and, and Trey Pipkins that we, we were headed towards. And then obviously Trey ended up winning the battle here. So if I said to you, Tyler, like who could be a potential Trey Pipkins this year, who would you bring up in this space? Yeah, that's tough because there's Trey Pipkins got to start, right? So he was able to right. have a pure starting role as the right tackle, especially if you look at that 2020 class and some of these guys in their contract year, they either have that role already or they will not be able to get that role. So I think the closest thing, if you're asking me who can take that Trey Pipkins sort of leap, close but not exact, is Joshua Kelly. And I think it's because hmm. Kelly does have that talent, uh, like Pipkins. We've seen flashes of great play and a great player. It's just never fully manifested in the form of stellar play throughout an entire year. Um, Kelly's also in a contract year. They did not draft a running back this year, like they didn't draft a, a tackle for Trey Pipkins. But there's going to be a bit of a battle. And sure, like Pipkins, Kelly is currently the RB2. So he is the quote-unquote favorite for that particular spot over someone like Isaiah Spiller. But there will be a training camp battle. Um, but I think Pipkins got himself, and he did, get a Duke Manyweather, right? He got himself a Duke Manyweather, got himself a great off-season coach to work with and improve. And I know Kelly didn't, not to my knowledge, get anybody particularly like that. But he did get someone to help unlock his potential and I think that's Kellen Moore. I mean, we've talked so much about mm. you know, Kellen Moore and the passing attack, but for, for this Chargers offense, right, the rising tide lifts all boats, and I think that Moore can do that not just for the passing game, but for the run game as well. So Kelly has shown the talent like Pipkins has. He's in a contract year. He's upgraded with Kellen Moore. I think if I had to pick somebody sort of in that same vein um, and certainly you know, heading into his final contract year, I think that's Joshua Kelly. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting call. I wasn't sure if he would be somebody that could like qualify for this kind of criteria, but I think he, he does fit the role, right? I think if you re go back and look at, um, obviously his 2020 rookie season did not necessarily end super well. There were some really nice flashes early in the season. And then, um, you know, he had those fumbles and that just kind of derailed his confidence. And then in 2021, you know, there was really just kind of a, season long back and forth between him larry roundtree and justin jackson for that rb2 spot behind austin eckler um justin jackson actually obviously ended up kind of winning that battle out and played some good football for the chargers down the stretch and then last year it was it was kind of the same kind of thing where it was like okay we're going to draft isaiah spiller we still have larry roundtree and then also we're going to add sony michelle late in the process too so joshua kelly was never really given his chance leading up to the season and then ultimately uh, won the job out over Sony Michelle and Isaiah Spiller and played some good, some really good football for this team um, until the injury, of course. So I think you look at his 2022 season, you see some great flashes, right? And I think you can see the, the data is pretty solid for him as well. You know, in 2022, he averaged uh, 2.79 yards after contact per attempt, which is something that he himself talked to uh, our guy Arjun on our channel leading up to last season as kind of a key attribute. And you generally want to be above 2.6, in my opinion, for like an above average running back in the league. And so a lot of people on the outside look at the Chargers running back situation and think there might be a ton of question marks. But this coaching staff clearly thought a lot of Joshua Kelly or they would have added at least one other body to this room. So I think the way that this team has handled the offseason shows that they have faith in Joshua Kelly going forward. Yeah, and he's in a great spot where we've seen with Kellen Moore that he can handle the two-back sets, and I, I think that, or two-back rotation, I guess, 
And Joshua Kelly is a really good compliment to Austin Eckler. So I think that's a good fit. But who did you have in mind for this question? So I, I did have Joshua Kelly written down. Just like I mentioned, I wasn't sure if he would fit. So I put a question mark mm -hmm. next to his name. Um, the two main candidates I, I thought we could discuss would be Kenneth Murray and Trey McKitty. Um, mm -hmm. Again, Kenneth Murray, not sure if he necessarily fits because we've seen some some good football. He's started a lot of games for this team. Um, I guess Trey McKitty, you know, third round pick, third round pick kind of fits as well. Um, and Trey McKitty has kind of been on the outside looking in at the tight end position, but you know, he's done a lot of extra work this off season too. You know, he's, he's been at tight end U with, uh, George Kittle and mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey and those guys he's putting in the work right now. And I think that should be commended. It, it's just a matter of what kind of role can he bring in? And I think, it's tough to look back at last season in a super positive note for Trey McKitty, but if you go back to his rookie season, he was really coming into his own as a blocker towards the end of the 2021 season. And so we know that that player, that role that they're hoping for is in there with Trey. It's just a matter of bringing that back out for him in 2023. And I think he's taking the steps necessary to go and prove that he can be that guy. Um, and they didn't draft anybody. And I think some of that is Donald Parham, right, who we both mentioned and discussed in the top 10 most important players show on our own channel. But um, Trey McKitty, too, is part of this. I think if they were doubtful about Trey, I think they would have added, you know, more to the room than an undrafted free agent. Um, but I think there is some confidence in, from the team side of things that Trey can get back to who he was as a rookie. Yeah, and I think people forget, and sometimes I have to remind myself, that his rookie season was really solid. It took a minute, right? Not all third-round players start immediately and play immediately. But once he worked into the rotation, he was looking really, really good. I mean, you talk about against a very good Steelers defensive line. Not that I don't think even T.J. Watt was playing that game. But against someone like Cam Hayward on the goal line, there's a play where he's knocking him off of his feet. Like, that is there. And you saw it even towards the end of last season against the Rams. There's a Trey McKitty there that is an excellent blocker. Truly, he is there, and he can be an excellent blocker. He just needs to put it together. And again, like I talked about with Kelly and the rushing attack, I think that Kellen Moore can elevate the, the tight end room as well as he has in Dallas previously. Yeah, and, and I think you can look at uh, a guy like Peyton Hendershot, who was not necessarily uh, known as a super great blocker in Dallas. You can look at what he did uh, with Jake Ferguson this past year as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you're framing that too, with the way that Kellen Moore can kind of raise this, raise the tide as you, as you put it. So um, Trey McKitty to me is the guy that I first thought of, but I think, I do think Joshua Kelly probably fits this question better than Trey does just because I think Joshua probably has a better chance of, of reaching that kind of level. And I think people kind of forget that, <laughs> Trey was playing on one leg and was still, you know, a top 25 offensive tackle in, in pass blocking efficiency rating this past season. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he does in 2023 with a new contract and everything too. But I think Joshua Kelly can really take his game to new heights this year. Um, again, somebody that, that should stay healthier this yeah. season as well. So I guess I'll kind of continue with that and talk about the offensive line. And my question, which is something I, I really need to have answered in training camp. When Rashawn Slater and Trey Pipkins rotate off the field, with the rest of the first team unit as they do who are the two tackles that replace them because it could be yeah. any combination of Cyril at left tackle and Nick Melsop at right tackle I talked to Nick Melsop's offensive line coach they seem to think that he's a right tackle and going to be a right tackle is it Jamari Sawyer at left tackle which he did last year and keep Cyril at right tackle 
Is it Jordan McFadden at left tackle, you know, and Cyril at right tackle because McFadden did play left tackle at Clemson. So what are the contingency plans here? Because I felt like heading into last season, the Chargers never really figured it out in camp. Um, they had their competition, but I really feel like they didn't have a plan for both tackle spots or really a true swing tackle at, at minimum. And I think that cost them a bit down the stretch. They were just really mm-hmm. lucky to have Jamari Sawyer, who could kick out to tackle with no practice and, and hold it down against Miles Garrett in his second game. So I am curious, though, because this one isn't talked about as much. And I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one, continuing with who we've been talking about. If Serrell is their immediate backup at right tackle, like I should say he is immediately their right tackle backup, and he was last season, would they consider moving Trey Pipkins to left tackle if Rashawn Slater goes down? And I only suggest that because he has chemistry working with Zion Johnson, who they are moving to the left side, and they worked really well together. Look at Houston. That game was fantastic. You look at Austin Eckler's two biggest runs of the season. That's Zion Johnson and Trey Pipkins. But more than that, and again, literally more, Kellen more than that, if you're running your rushing attack through your two guys on the left side, like if you move Zion to the left side, because you're going to really focus your rushing attack on that strength, that left tackle, left guard pair, if you want to maintain consistency like Kellen Moore has been able to do, granted you are moving a player to the left side, I think you're really only able to put either Trey Pipkins or, or McFadden out there based on athletic profile. And all respect to the rookie, but we've never seen him play tackle in the NFL. And I think they see him more as a guard. So I'm just curious if, if Trey Pipkins is part of that contingency plan because you can move him over to the left side and really not lose as much of your rushing attack. Yeah, I think the second unit for the for training camp and for the preseason is, is definitely going to be an interesting one because like we think Jordan McFadden's going to be playing guard, mm-hmm. like that's that seems to be the plan. He was a, basically exclusively a left tackle in college. Um last year the two tackles were Zach Bailey at left and then for, and then Foster Sorrell at right tackle who you mentioned earlier. Um now, you know, Zach Bailey's been rotating at guard and supposedly, according to Daniel Popper, this team is is pretty high on Zach Bailey as a potential guard piece for moving forward. So is Jordan McFadden your left tackle then uh, with the second unit or is he, you know, stuck at guard? Zach Bailey back to left tackle. Um, you mentioned um, uh, Mr. Melsop as well. Could he be an option? And they have Austin Pleasance on the roster, too, who. Um, they signed during the season after Rashawn went down. So there's a lot of pieces that need to be figured out. You know, they drafted Brendan Hymas a couple of years ago. He's played tackle in college, but never in the NFL. I think if anything happens to either of the tackles, you know, during the regular season, I think the logical choice would be to put Jamari at either one of those spots and then move in one of the guards that you feel better about, whether that's McFadden or Bailey or Hymas, or maybe Will Clapp plays, Will Clapp plays guard for you instead. That to me makes the most sense, but this team has also been really hesitant to move players positions, mm-hmm. right? Like they could have very easily moved Matt Filer to right tackle several times over the last two seasons. And they never wanted to ruin the chemistry over there. Right. So, um, the plan of backup tackle is very, very interesting because they've they've collected all of these former tackles who they think can play guard, who have played guard in the NFL, who have that flexibility. 
But the only real pure tackles that they have on the roster right now are Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, and Foster Sorrell. So I'm with you. I think this is a super underrated storyline heading into camp. And obviously we feel great about the starting lineup. But at some point, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate, right? But at some point, one of these offensive linemen is going to come off the bench and how they fit in is just going to be really interesting so to see. So you think, I guess it would make, would make sense given that, I mean, Jamar Sellers played left tackle. They literally saw him play left tackle last season. So you think that they would kick him out rather than put someone like McFadden at left tackle? I do. I think that it, that makes more sense than... You know, like if Rashawn goes down, moving Trey to the left, I think you'd rather keep him mm-hmm. on the right side. If Trey, 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 Trey goes down, you're definitely not moving Rashawn no. to the right side. So I think you want to minimize the movement and also maximize your output. And so, like, to me, it's easier to replace Jamari mm-hmm. at guard than it would be to replace or replace one of the rookies or one of the young guys with to mm-hmm. Jamari at guard than replace one of the one of the tackles with one of the younger guys. So to me, it just makes more sense to move Jamari. I think he's shown that ability several times in college and then obviously last year. Um, whether or not the team is comfortable with doing that again this year or not, I think is, is the yeah. interesting All I can there. hope for is we never have to have that question answered. We'll never know. Who cares? Everyone's healthy. Yes, it would be fantastic if all five players could start and finish mm-hmm. every game this year. It would be great. Um, all right, so my next question mark here, I guess um, – we kind of hit on the offensive tackle piece a little bit here. Um, I, I It's kind of a general regular season question, but I'm just super curious to see what happens throughout training camp with this Chargers defense in terms of how it is viewed. Because I think right now there's there's a lot of pessimism on the outside world and within the fan base about how the defense has performed. Um, and I get it, there's not been enough consistency but every single training camp, we see the defense comes out strong. You know, they'll have some great moments. They'll, you know, they'll pick off Justin Herbert a couple of times just because that's how training camp generally works. You know, they're going to get uh, joint practice against Derek Carr, right? Like, it's not like they're going to get joint practices against the Cowboys offense, who was, our, you know, one of the best offenses in the league last year. The Saints offense is probably not going to be that. So how does the pendulum swing with this Chargers defense in terms of, like people buying back into them during training camp is just something I'm curious to see because if you if you look at the last uh, ten seasons, all of the teams who made a conference championship appearance, you generally have to be like a top twelve ish defense to really make it that far in the season. And most people don't feel that confident the Chargers can reach that point, but we've seen you know things go that way pretty often defense is pretty fickle here so if the defense really comes out strong we hear all these great things about joey and khalil and derwin and asante and jc jackson's back healthy does the pendulum start to swing back in the favor of a more optimistic light for the chargers defense is just something i'm among the fan base i would say so among us a little bit national media I don't think they'd care, to be completely honest. I think that they would want to see them go out and beat the Dolphins week one, and then everything could change, right? Because not only did they go out and beat the Dolphins, and I'm assuming the defense helped out in this case, not only did they beat the Dolphins, but sure. they beat Mike McDaniel again, and they stopped Mike McDaniel, you know, the offensive genius guy, again. And Staley would be 2-0 and against Mike McDaniel in that regard. So I think 
that's when the pendulum would start swinging. I think among fans, we'll be excited. There's going to be you know weeks where the defense is going to be better than the offense. I wouldn't be surprised if the defense started out better than the offense because one of these units is trying to learn an entire new thing with Kellen Moore. The other one, it's full of guys that have been there or they know Staley, et cetera. So um, I think the defense will start a hop for, for training camp, but I don't think we're going to get any credit in the national media eyes until week one. And then you have to do it again. I mean, again, look at the schedule. You got to do it against the Cowboys on Monday night. You have to do it against the Chiefs the next week. You have to do it against Detroit and you have to do it against Baltimore. So I think it'll take some time, but I think that credit starts to be earned. I think that pendulum starts swinging after week one. So do you feel like there's anything that can happen in training camp that would maybe make you personally um, feel that the Chargers have achieved like a greater ceiling throughout the offseason, throughout the preseason? Are you asking like me that? about the whole team or the defense? Just the defense. JC Jackson is out there in training camp. I think if, if he is back out there and actually healthy, as he, again, people forget in training camp, he was probably their best player last year. Then the surgery happened and everything changed. But people forget there was two or three weeks or whatever it was where he was amazing, an outstanding defensive back. So if he's back out there and he's healthy, that would really change how I feel about this defense because then it's just an embarrassment of riches in the secondary. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. I, I think that is the one thing that can really change how people mm -hmm. are talking about it um in the preseason right like during the regular season that's another conversation but um like i said this is this is kind of a fan base thing this is kind of an us thing and like there's just not a lot of optimism for the defense everybody's so excited for the offense and rightfully so but the defense is just it's it, i don't know what it is man like usually at this time of year it, it, there's a lot of optimism excitement that builds around the whole team but i feel like the vibe is always like yeah the offense is gonna be great but yeah the defense i'm not really super excited about it so i'm just Curious to see how long that pendulum takes to start swinging in the other direction once training camp yeah. actually Hopefully starts. Hopefully not too much during camp because the defense is dominating. That's great, but that means the offense isn't doing so hot. So hopefully it's a nice good back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Tyler, what's your uh, yeah, next question Yeah, let's continue here? with the, the quarterback here. Uh, Justin Herbert, the passer. We know a lot about him, and we've talked about We had Sean on the show talked about these new or improved concepts with Kellen Moore. We know the guy can throw, you know, strawberries through battleships or X-wings through star destroyers. But what are we going to see from Justin Herbert the runner? You know, remember in 2021 when Herbert would would drop mm. back say, "Good job Steelers defense, you have perfect coverage. That was a great call." And then he'd run all over them for 90 yards because he's 6 foot 6, 240 and one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, he's capable of so much. And in 2021, he was 11th in yards after contact per attempt and ninth in yards per attempt, which is tied with Kyler Murray, which I don't think a lot of fans would associate those two guys together in terms of yards per attempt, but that's what it was. That's what Herbert can do. But that rib injury last year really broke Herbert's, like literally broke Herbert's capacity to be that same runner because he dropped to second worst in yards after contact per attempt um, only ahead of Tom Brady, who's 45, and third worst in yards per attempt. Yeah, <laughs> oh, not no. great. Uh, and third worst in yards per attempt, only ahead of Mac Jones and Tom Brady. So now he's healthy. He has the weapons to spread out the defense, and we believe that he has the line to protect him. So 
Dak Prescott under Kellen Moore typically ranged between 45 to 50 rushes per season under Kellen Moore. So it's not like this is going to be, you know, Lamar Jackson, a thousand yards sort of thing. But I think Herbert runs, you know, more rollouts, more design, bootlegs, et cetera, than he ever has before. And I think he really rocks with that swagger that we saw him run with against Miami. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this, this was not one that I had thought about. I mean, I like previously I've thought about, you know, Justin Herbert, the runner, right? But um, Benjamin Solak and Stephen Ariz for The Ringer are doing these great episodes every Friday. And one of the things that they recently talked about was quarterback mobility and how it's changed and affected, you know, offenses in 2022 and leading into 2023. And not just the fact that, you know, you can design run games around these guys, but the cheat code that scrambles are becoming specifically. And Justin Herbert's great outside of the pocket. We've seen him extend plays and and do all that, right? But the amount of EPA generated from Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts on scrambles last year, it, it was like some of the most efficient football that could be played because it's just such a big cheat code right now for these guys to get outside the pocket and create. And I think Herbert will get a lot more design runs this year. For sure. I agree with you. The interesting part to me is also his ability to scramble. And I think offenses in general are becoming like it used to be, you know, quarterbacks drop backing of one, two, three, four check down. Right now it's kind of like one, two, maybe the good ones get to three, and then everybody just starts running. And we don't we don't really see that from Justin. We didn't see it from him last year. Definitely not last year, like you mentioned, with the rib injuries. Does he kind of get back to that? Because that was a huge deal for his rookie season. It was a huge deal during 2021 as well. It's his ability to get outside the pocket, create those extra plays for the Chargers. And some of his best moments have come from that kind of stuff. You know, the last season when he was finally healthy, the scramble drill to Keenan Allen against the Raiders, mm-hmm. you know, in that that right mm-hmm. corner end zone. Um, so I do think we'll see more of Justin Herbert, the runner, like design-wise, just because he's healthier. But, like, the scramble drills are one of the biggest cheat codes in the sport right now. And I'm excited to see Herbert get back to that and just his his creation ability that we didn't really see a whole lot yeah, last year. Yeah, as much as we don't like the Chiefs, I have to respect Patrick Mahomes for his ability to move. I, it's unfortunate to watch because the Chargers have been the he's, he's back there, man. a jerk, but he's so good at football. Um, <laughs> it's amazing because he's arguably the best thrower, the best quarterback, you know, of throwing it, passing it in the NFL, and he was last year. But then, like, even just watching him play, it's sometimes just the runs that break the defense more than anything else because they'll go, oh, you know, okay, all my guys are down there. Travis Kelsey's covered. Okay, I'll just run it for 15. I'll run it for 12. Um, So getting back to that would be great. And I think that now that Herbert is healthy and they have a good line, I think a good system, it will also help them a bit out on those third slash fourth down decisions because you saw last year sometimes on third down, maybe there's an injury or there was a Herbert, you know, rib injury. And he wouldn't be so keen on running it in those situations. They'd boot him out maybe, but then he'd have to dump it in the dirt. You know, couldn't quite take those hits because mm-hmm. he was hurt. And then he had a torn labrum later on, which also, again, we can have a whole conversation about how often he should run because of those injuries. Yeah. But on third down, if you're able to boot out Herbert, give him options down the field, and he can run it, you feel better about your, your, your prospects of then going for it on fourth down potentially because you've gotten closer or you've lost nothing, et cetera. So I think it's just a big ripple effect. This team really needs Herbert to be able to run, again, not 20 times again, not 10 times a game, but just those three or four times that are backbreakers, huge for this team. 
Yeah, and I, I think we'll. I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of quarterback run game elements we can see with Kellen Moore on this team because, um, you know, I think he did a lot of great things with Dak, especially before Dak had his big injury. Right, if you go back and watch Kellen Moore's first season as offensive coordinator, there was a, a ton of zone read opportunities for Dak that year, um, and his rushing ability was one of the key reasons why the Cowboys with that year were super effective on offense. So. Excited to see Herbert, the runner, back in 2023. Um, okay, next one for me. Um, I, I think this is just kind of an interesting roster debate, right? And that's the quarterback two position um, behind Justin Herbert. And really, what can Max Duggan do this year to potentially dethrone Easton Stick? And I think the team has said all the right things regarding Easton Stick and his potential, right? They've, they've always been high on him. Um, you know, they brought Chase Daniel in cause he was familiar with the offense, but now this is, this is presumably Easton sticks job to lose. Um, and they drafted Max Duggan and then the, the NFL passed the whole third quarterback rule in this category as well. Um, so is this pretty clearly defined? Like this is Easton sticks job to lose QB two is his and Max Duggan is, he's just kind of taking a red shirt year. He's kind of developing, or is there a way that Max Duggan can uh, catch Easton Stick and be the quarterback too? Um, so this is, again, this is probably way further down the list for a lot of people, right? But like when it comes to roster position battles, you know, the the team always says they, they want competition in every position. And right now there's just not a lot of Max Duggan buzz outside of maybe uh, Fort Worth, Texas <laughs> people who are big fans of his. Um, so I, I just want to see what Max Duggan looks like in training camp, man. I, I think that there's a lot of things that he does well that you can't see when people are in shorts and they can't mm. hit him, you know? And so I think that his just gamer mentality, I think, is is more prone to come out in a setting like training camp in a preseason game. And I'm curious how much weight that would carry in the uh, presumably Yeah, it's also battle. very curious, and I'm curious to see how Kellen Moore – evaluates backup quarterbacks because i think with with joe lombardi and this makes sense anyway i'm sure this is across the league you know very similar they wanted the game manager right is chase daniel the game breaker quarterback probably not although he had some good runs so you know hey i'll, I'll give it to him but he's not <laughs> easton stick he had like a 40 yard carry in the preseason <laughs> yeah and I, hey that was awesome man he won the quarterback two jobs so maybe there's that um but i'm, I'm curious if kellen moore will lean towards more Easton Stick, who I think right now, because he's been in the NFL, he's been on the team, played for the Chargers. Like, I think he, not that he's a game manager, but I feel like I'm more confident in saying that he can manage a game in the preseason better than Max Duggan right now, because he's been in the NFL. But would Kellen Moore prefer someone like Duggan who would go out and, let's say, generate more EPA per play, more EPA for the entire offense? Because even last year, Chase Daniel, as a game manager, earned more EPA than Easton Stick, which I know is kind of wild to think about, but that was kind of it. Like chunk plays for Easton Stick versus Chase Daniel and kind of death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. And of course, yes, a 40 yard rush in the preseason. So, you know, which way do they lean? They, they obviously like Duggan. They drafted him. And I think an underrated component of that is that he does have chemistry with players on the team. Easton, Easton Stick does, obviously, because he's been here. But Max Duggan, he knows Darius Davis. He knows uh, Quentin Johnston. So I think there's going to be some chemistry there Very that will true. help things as well. So is it the most, you know, the, the most pressing storyline? Maybe not. Again, I hope well, I never see them play on the field in the regular season because I want Justin <laughs> Herbert to be out there for 100% of the snaps. But I, I am really curious how they evaluate these two. 
and what they do differently than each other to distinguish themselves from the other. Yeah, I think there was a lot of, you know, putting the quarterbacks into a specific mm -hmm. box and like what Joe Lombardi was looking for. Um, you know, under the previous regime, we didn't we didn't really see that a whole lot. Like Cardell Jones got to do Cardell Jones, and Easton Stick got to do Stick, and Tyrod got to do Tyrod. Like it was it was more like playing to their strengths when they were mm -hmm. in. But with the previous regime, it was like, okay, you both are going to run the exact offense. We want you to do the exact same things, and we'll see who's better at that kind of thing. And so I think this this regime with, with Kellen and obviously Doug Nussmeyer, I'm curious to see how that battle um, takes shape. And also just in general, like the, the thing now with the three quarterbacks, nobody really ever tried to replicate the Taysom Hill thing in New Orleans, mostly because Taysom Hill like is built like a tight end, like naturally. And he, he's a, a freak athlete. But now that there's kind of quarterback insurance built in, I'm curious if anybody really kind of experiments with like a Taysom Hill-esque role more so now because you have that kind of safety net in having the third quarterback role. So that's that's less a Chargers thing and more of like a general NFL thing because mm -hmm. I, I don't want – Kelmore to take Justin Herbert off the field to do, you know, gadgety things. But, you know, maybe other teams who don't have a quarterback situation settled might be looking at their third quarterback and being like, hey, man, that guy can run. Like, let's do some things with him. So uh, that's a general football curiosity, not really Chargers related, but had to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And Max Duggan is someone who can run the football very, very well. So I'm not saying that's the only thing that Taysom Hill does. But you could do some things with him. And Easton Stick is very, very athletic. So and we've seen that on display. So, yeah, that could be a fun for sure. All right, Tyler, what's your uh, next question? The one here? that literally has to be answered. Who starts in the slot? Um, the, the Chargers, as we talked about, have an embarrassment of riches uh, at defensive back because they could play Asante Samuel Jr. here, who we just saw have one of the greatest defensive back performances uh, I've seen in Chargers history with three interceptions in one half. Or they could mm -hmm. take J.C. Jackson and move him to the slot on like an as-needed basis because he has before. And I'm sure that's what Brandon Staley would like to do on occasion. You could put, oh, I don't know, Derwin James in the slot because he can cover anybody in the slot, you know, from George Kittle in camp we've seen before to Keenan Allen to Travis Kelsey. Um, I know that there was that touchdown that Derwin James allowed to Travis Kelsey, and that's, you know, that's rough, obviously, and he'd like to have that back. But across two games, he only allowed 42 yards to Travis Kelsey. That's pretty darn good. And then you have Jaw Taylor, who went from day three pick, you know, uh, to late day three pick, to camp standout and then special teams ace and then kind of helping the Chargers win against the Broncos to holding his own against Miami, again, against Mike McDaniel in just his rookie year against some really, really good wide receivers. So I'm curious who's going to play in the slot because one guy has to play the majority. I don't think it's going to be one guy for 100% of the snaps, right? We just talked about all, those, all these different players. They can mix and match, and Brandon Staley is going to mix and match because there's no reason to not put JC, Derwin, et cetera, in the slot. But who's going to be that guy and that might change throughout the season as well right the corner room has shifted a bit you know it was very different from what they were in in training camp in the preseason but to start the season who's going to be that guy yeah i think this is probably the biggest most important question that needs to be answered during training camp specifically on defense like you mentioned earlier you know jc jackson and, and him being healthy changes the ceiling of this defense right well, the good thing about J.C. Jackson is that he's logged over 400 snaps in the slot in his career. Most of that obviously coming in New England. Last year with the Chargers, he's mostly you know, an outside cornerback. But he's done that in the past. 
Sante Samuel Jr. hasn't logged a ton of snaps in the slot. I think it's like 18 or 19 in his career. But he did that at Florida State. They've been cross-training him since they drafted him to to play that kind of role. Um, Josie or Taylor, Derwin James, like you outlined, you know, maybe this is a space where uh, Raheem Lane can carve out a role as well. Dayon Henley can play in the slot. Mm. So the Chargers have options here. They needed to get settled because I think there's a, a situation here where a very talented corner is not playing 100% in the snaps like we're used to seeing, and that probably catches people by surprise. You know, I, I think outside of Michael Davis, any of these corners can move around and play any position. You know, I, I think Derwin James, I would love to see him get more reps in the slot because I think he's a fantastic slot defender. Uh, Chargers probably need a better safety room behind him to make that more uh, plausible, but he can do that role. And I think that plays to his strengths. So how this position battle, presumably between Jasir Taylor and Asante Samuel Jr., maybe JC Jackson plays out, I think is, is the most important roster battle because if Jasir is the better slot mm-hmm. corner, again, we're just like outside. Definitely. I'm taking sure. Asante, right? Asante is a legitimately top tier outside corner. We don't know what he can do in the slot. And people are talking about it like that's just going to translate one-to-one. We don't know that. So how does everybody react to potentially Jasir Taylor being cornerback four if Jasir Taylor is a clearly better slot corner um, is is an interesting thing to talk about. I, again, outside corner, I'm taking Asante mm-hmm. all day here, but we don't know what he looks like in the slot. We haven't seen it. We've seen Jasir Taylor play some up-and-down football, but the ups were pretty good, man. I mean, he shut Jalen Waddle down pretty nice in that game. So um, in terms of roster battles, definitely the biggest question here. Uh, yeah, that'll be position. exciting. I really hope the defense plays on the fan side of the field so I can watch these, these two go at it <laughs> and rotate in and see what they can do because it's going to be fun. And this is a very, very important position on the team. Sure, all, all pieces of the defense are, but... We've been talking so much, and fans are asking so much about how's the run game going to get better? How's the run defense going to get better? And that starts in the slot. You know, it was was some of the the mistakes, I guess, that happened last season. So we'll see who they pick. Yeah, and I think a small part of me has always thought that at his best, maybe JC takes a pretty sizable role in the slot. Um, Brandon Staley obviously made a name for himself as, as the Rams defensive coordinator. One of the things that the Rams did that really helped them become that top defense was put Jalen Ramsey in the slot. And if you look at his play in the slot that year, he was probably the best slot corner in the league. Um, again, he's got a very unique body type for a corner because he can do all of that and he can play like a linebacker. He can play like a corner. Uh, if you hear him speak about his past, the chargers thought of him as a safety prospect. So Jalen Ramsey has a very unique body type. uh, J.C. Jackson doesn't share that same characteristic, but he's, again, logged 400 snaps in the slot. So I think you have a lot of built-in flexibility here, but there's going to be a point where a role is defined as a starter and a role is defined as CB4, and how that plays out is going to be very, Mm -hmm. very interesting. I didn't know that. So you said J.C. Jackson, they thought of him as a safety, or Jalen Ramsey? No, uh, Jalen Ramsey talked about this on the, I think it was the Pivot podcast, that when he was going through the pre-draft process, the Chargers told him, again, this would have been with, uh, this was still when they were in San Diego. Who was the defensive coordinator in 2016? Pagano? Uh, Pagano? Is that still Pagano? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, Jalen Ramsey told the story that the Chargers were going to draft him as a safety if they ultimately decided to draft him, and then they decided to draft Joey Mm -hmm. instead. 
Um, but he's, he's told the story that if he were going to be a charger, he would have come in as a safety. Interesting. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> no, we won't because he got drafted to Jacksonville. Um, so, yeah, like I said, biggest position uh, battle mm-hmm. right there for me. Um, I, I think my last question here is just going to be summed up as the 2022 draft class. Mm. Because I think we know what we have in Zion. We know what we have in Jamari. Um, but everybody else is kind of an uncertainty in this group. Again, I think we're higher on Jasir that more so than most people are. You know, Xander Horvath got a really hot start to the season. Um, and then, for whatever reason, didn't really get to play. He played great on special teams, but didn't really get to carve out a role on offense. Um, Dean Leonard didn't really get to carve out a role on defense. And then, obviously, the, the big ones are JT Woods and Isaiah Spiller. Um, again, guys who are seemingly doing all the work necessary to take those steps in development. Um, but it's it's a lot of question marks for my liking. We have two great players, obviously, in Zion and Jamari. But who becomes that third, you know, second-year player to take that leap, I think is a super important uh, aspect of this upcoming season because I think we all really like the top of the Chargers roster, but that middle part, we need some players to come in and, and step up. And whether that's, you know, uh, a running back three coming in and, and seizing a role, whether that's a safety three like JT Woods, you know, proving he can, he can be that reliable piece, I think is is definitely an important question that needs to be answered in training camp in the preseason. Yeah, JT Woods has more talent in his pinky finger than I think 90% of the world does. He, that's undeniable. He's one of the most athletic players on the Chargers yeah. roster. I remember looking it up. I think he's like the third most athletic in terms of RAS. Um, third most athletic safety the Chargers have ever drafted in their entire history um, and, and his college tape which I think people forget oh, wow. to he's so smart you watch him in college and even for a guy who is kind of between football and track he was so good at processing not just against the pass but also in the run game too but last year you know, in the NFL his rookie season it just wasn't as successful as I think he wanted it to be or anybody wanted it to be and that came down to missed tackles, um, processing. Again, the speed of the NFL is very different. And then not working into special teams. So, you know, heading into year two you know, with your you know, Ryan Ficken on special teams or now promoted Derek Ansley and Tom Donatel, obviously Brandon Staley, like, do they have renewed faith in him? Can he earn that trust throughout training camp? I hope so, because he's supremely talented. Yeah, and that's not something that like changes the chargers ceiling on defense, but like him hitting his stride this year, it would be a huge positive outcome for this defense because turnovers are so valuable and his ability to create those turnovers is really unique to that safety room because Derwin can create turnovers, but it's, it's generally like fumbles, right? Um, JT woods coming in and being somebody that could, you know, get four or five interceptions on the season. Like that changes games right like those interceptions could be extremely valuable for this defense so um jt i think has the potential to be a player who can really turn the tides for this defense um whether or not that comes to fruition really depends on him it depends on maybe raheem lane it is just comes out of nowhere right maybe raheem lane is a breakout star Mm -hmm. this year uh for this defense you know we'll we'll see what happens but JT Woods has the potential. We've seen it. You know, I think people will point to like his missed tackle rate in college, but he was always in those positions. Like me and you had this conversation in Las Vegas when we were watching his uh, game tape with Arjun after the Chargers drafted him. 
even if he missed the tackle, he was always right there, good position, good form, good technique. It was just like one little like minor tweak here and there that he would that would result in the missed tackle. So I still think that there's a world where JT can hit, but it's it's a question mark, right? Like he has to come in and do the work and he has to prove that he can belong on the field. And listen, like Justin Herbert's gonna take some chances in, in training camp. We know this. This is how mm. quarterbacks progress. But JT has to be the, on the receiving end. We've seen time and time again, a guy like Mark Webb comes to mind. Like it was, you know, when he was a rookie, he had like three interceptions that first week of practice, right? And then last mm-hmm. year, same kind of thing. So there's going to be opportunities for these defensive backs to make plays on the football. And JT needs to come down with them and, and prove that he can earn that role because safety three for the chargers, like you're going to play 300, 400 snaps in that role and potentially more if there's an injury, but you know that's that's a super key role that needs to be sorted out this in this yeah in this I, I'd love to close things out then at least on my end with edge three rather than safety three, and this has been snowballing a bit for me and I keep thinking of it and I can't get it out of my brain so I want to talk about it. Does Chris Rumpf eat into more edge three snaps in playing time than we're talking about? We literally just talked about this, but I don't think it's being discussed enough because as we've talked about on our show before, and I even got to talk to Morgan Fox about this a couple of weeks ago, the Chargers two best four-man fronts in terms of pressure rates involved Chris Rumpf. It was three other guys and Chris Rumpf. And we know that Brandon Staley loves to work stunts out of them. The stunt rate with Chris Rumpf on the field in those four-man groups was really, really high. And their most effective four-man group uh, with Chris Rumpf had a pressure rate of almost 70%, which is the second best among any grouping uh, in the entire NFL. And Morgan Fox, when I asked him about this, he talked about you know, the more that they worked together and the more they understood how to rush with one another, the better they got. So, you know, Thule's going to play a ton, but he is very young. And I would, I would just watch out for Chris Rump's usage this year because I don't think you take those stats and a 70% pressure rate, granted not on 100 snaps, but you don't take that 70% pressure rate and what you can do with stunts and just throw that away. And you don't take that progress that you've made and just throw it away because they've really developed as a unit. And if Chris Rump is a big part of that and a big part of their effectiveness, he needs to be out there rushing the passer. So again, I, I think Thule probably plays the most edge three snaps, but I think that Chris Rump is going to eat at more of those, I guess, edge three snaps than I think maybe we're all talking about. I think that's fair. I mean, pass rushers take a while to develop, right? Like this is a, a trend that we see come to fruition uh, across the league you know this is Chris Rumpf's third season this is really his first off season uh, I think coach Ed talked about this like the off season after your second year is really the first time where you feel mm. like comfortable mm-hmm. in your own skin your own training regimen all of this stuff kind of comes together so you know Chris Rumpf had some really positive signs during the preseason last year um, particularly against the Rams in that preseason game I thought he played fantastic um, you know, less of meat on the bone during the season, hundred percent. I think he would admit that too. You know, there were times where he would make, he would do a great pass rush move or shed a block at a really high level and just not make the play. So if he's able to make those plays, then definitely you, you got to keep that guy on the field. And, you know, something we've talked about is kind of lightening the load on Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Mm-hmm. And if you have Thule and Chris Rumpf both kind of hitting their stride. That's a great problem to have, you know, having four pass rushers that can play meaningful football for you is, is definitely a blessing. So I agree with that. I think, you know, Thule's kind of the favorite for sure for that position, but 
similar to Josh Palmer, I don't think Chris Rumpf just like hands it to him. Like mm-hmm. Quentin Johnson and Tuli are going to have to earn these roles because Joshua Palmer and because Chris Rumpf are going to be nipping at their heels is because they don't want to lose those jobs. They don't want to lose those snaps. And uh, it is going to be fun to see how that that edge group uh, comes yeah, together. I don't, I don't know if we'll really get the answer to this question until the regular season and far into the regular season. But still, I am very curious because Chris, Chris Rump should probably be out there as edge three to start. Um, so how long does he maintain that status for? And does he really carry that potentially all the way into week one? Yeah, I think that's fair because you don't want to just hand a roll to, to Thule. You mm-hmm. want him to earn it too. So I think that is fair. All right, um, Tyler, man, that was a, that was a great discussion. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Um, again, this is the the meat of the off season, so hopefully, you uh, are enjoying the off season content that we are providing. Um, special thanks to uh, Brian for producing the show today. Special thanks to everybody for all of you guys for tuning in. Make sure and subscribe to the channel here, and uh, go ahead and subscribe to our channel, Guilty as Charged Podcast, as well. Appreciate all the support there. That's going to do it for us. Hope you guys have a great 4th of July, and we'll see you next week.